into the villages and buy food for themselves. Jesus said, they need not go away. You give them something to eat. They said to him, we have only five loaves here and two fish. And he said, bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and blessed, and broke and gave the loaves to the crowds. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up twelve baskets full of the broken pieces left over. And those who made were about five thousand men, besides women and children. And he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side. While he dismissed the crowd. Peace be to you who proclaims the gospel. Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We've all seen that black and white footage of long lines of people waiting to get food. Like you think of in the Great Depression, or in World War II, or in communist countries where the people are just lined up around the blocks waiting to get their food, their meal. And it reminds us that people are different when there's a shortage. In the Gospel today, there was a severe shortage. By any estimation, we would say there were probably about 10,000 people there because it was 5,000 men plus women and children. And not too often are we assembled in a group of 10,000 people, but you can imagine that, something like a small stadium of people. And all of those people were listening to Christ and were not even caring about their own food and need because they wanted the food that he was offering in his words. But then the time came when their stomachs were hungry and they needed food. And the disciples in compassion said, send them away to get some food. But our Lord performs this great miracle. He says, you feed them. And so he takes out five loaves and two fish. And from that feeds the 10,000 people and takes back 12 large baskets of fragments. Every time we hear this gospel, we should be amazed and think, what did that look like? Have you ever thought about that? You're the disciples handing out the food. What's happening in the basket there as you're handing out the food? Because the, the multiplication is just completely mind-blowing. We learn two things from this gospel. The first is that we learn that God is a God of abundance. He is a God who gives and gives more and more. He's limitless. The phrase that we use for His creation of the universe is ex nihilo, out of nothing. He created out of nothing. In the Articlesia service, 
The prayer says, bless these loaves, and it's five loaves, symbolizing the five loaves in the wilderness. Bless these loaves, the wheat, wine, and oil, and multiply them in this holy church, this city, and in your whole world. If you ever say a prayer after a meal, a lot of times it echoes this. It says, to multiply the fragments from this table to the poor throughout the world. Now there's our skepticism that might come in. You might say, well, how do the fragments from my table multiply throughout the world? Or we might say, how do those five loaves of the Artoclasia go to be multiplied throughout the world? We think it might be hyperbole talking about this. So the, the, the leftovers from my table, they're going to go and feed people around the world. But because we have our own limited way of thinking, we forget the gospel today. We forget that God is a God of abundance. He is one who can make something out of nothing, as the saying goes. Our linear way of thinking has its limits. We probably all know the Big Bang Theory, right? That everything in the universe came from a tiny dot. And this is what all of the scientific data is showing, is that everything came back to this point. And we have to explain it like that. And we were thinking like, wait a second. From this tiny little dot? Of course, because that's where God created everything. And it shows that, that there's everything in the universe, everything around us, from nothing. So there's no limit to God. He is a God of abundance. And how many times in the Old Testament did God say, be fruitful and multiply? Multiple times. He said, be fruitful and multiply. May your descendants be multiplied throughout the earth. I don't know if you've ever thought about it, but He's not just making a statement. He's actually giving a blessing. Be fruitful and multiply. He's actually the, the one acting. The person who is fruitful and multiplies is simply doing what God has already given. Did you ever think about that? So it's God's blessing that He's giving. Be fruitful and multiply. I will make you fruitful and I will make you multiply. That's what God is saying in those many times in the Old Testament. And of course, to Abraham, he says his descendants will be like the stars in the sky. Imagine that, this one random person in the middle of the desert, and his descendants are going to be numberless. And yet that's exactly what happened. Exactly what happened, as God showed. In 2 Corinthians, St. Paul says, he says this, he says, Now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of righteousness. I'll read it once again. Now may he who supplies the seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of righteousness. Of course, we know who it is who provides seed for the sower and bread for food. He's talking about God. But do I get seeds from that sower? No, I go to the, the nursery and I buy my seeds there. I go to the grocery store and buy my bread. We have such a disconnect between what God is giving us and what we are getting. Because, and then part of that is just the world that we live in. We're not farmers, so we don't have the sense of, wow, this thing goes in the ground and something massive grows out of this tiny little thing. 
We don't have any sense that God provides the weather, that God makes the plant grow, that God makes the plant be fruitful. Be fruitful and multiply isn't just to humans. To all living things, God makes them fruitful and multiplies them. And if we don't believe that, it's just because we're not going back far enough. You say, I get my bread at the grocery store. Where does the bread come from? It gets made somewhere. Who makes it? Who, that person was brought into existence by God. Where is the flower from? The flower is from the wheat. The wheat's from the field. The field is there because of the seed. Where did the seed come from? We can keep going back and eventually we'll always get to the same point. We'll always get back to God if we do the exercise. If not, we'll just say, I get my bread in the store. I have my money in my bank account because I have a job. And the money goes in my bank account and I use that to buy my bread. And that's the way that we so often think. But God is a God of abundance. And He is the one that gives us the seed, that gives us the bread, that gives us our breath of our life. In the epistle today, St. Paul was talking about um, this faction going on. People saying, oh, I'm with Paul, I'm with Apollos. And all these different debates about who's the right person to follow. And so St. Paul basically smashes that all down and says, what are you talking about? A couple of chapters later, he says, who is Paul and who is Apollos? I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. It is God who does the multiplying. So we learn, once again, that lesson. God is a God of abundance. He's not a God of scarcity. I'm not sure if all of you are familiar with that term. It's an economic term, scarcity. It means there's not enough stuff. You go back to that picture of the the black and white videos or images of people lined up trying to buy things. Of course, in our modern American way, it's people trying to lining up to buy things that they don't need not lining up to get food. But it's the same idea. Scarcity. There's not enough stuff. And so often we think that the world is a world of scarcity and by extension we put that on God. God can't give us enough. He can't provide enough for us. It's a whole way of thinking. This scarcity mentality. That there's not enough stuff to go around. And if someone else gets, that means I don't get. So what we see in the Gospel is that that's not the case. He's a God of abundance, and the second thing that we learn is that He is a God who will provide. He's a God who will provide. We all say this, we all know this, we know this because we're Christians, and yet we doubt it all the time. We doubt, will God provide? Will He provide? Yet He provides for every single person. That's what God's providence means. I don't know if you've ever thought about that. Providence means God providing. That's where the word comes from. God's providence is His providing for each and every one of us. And He provides for every single human being everything that is needful. Everyone. Now the question might rise in your mind, but Father, there are people who die of starvation every single day. This is true. And it is also true that God permits evil to exist in the world because He gives us the freedom to do bad things. I can take away someone's food. I can take away someone's shelter. I can withhold compassion. That's true. But God's providence does not mean always that I will have food or always that I will have shelter or always that I will have the things that I think I need. 
What God's providence means is that God will provide a path towards salvation. That's what he will provide. And along that way, he will definitely, much of the time, provide us food and shelter and the things that we think that we need. But the two aren't completely parallel. There's the things that I think I need, and then there's my path towards salvation. And sometimes they are together, like two little circles that have the overlapping parts, and sometimes they're not. It's a Venn diagram. There we go. So, um, but what we learn is that God's providence means that he's working towards our salvation. And that means that for each and every one of us, this is his promise to us in creating us is that He will provide a path towards our salvation. He will provide a path towards our salvation. Every single human being will provide the path. Do we follow it is another question. But He will provide the path for us. God will provide. He's not a God of limited resources. Again, I mentioned about creation. That's probably the biggest example of everything coming from nothing. But he continues to multiply and multiply throughout our lives. Those thousands of loaves that must have been needed for the people. Thousands of loaves of bread out of five. We know in our heads that he'll provide. We know the passages of the birds of the air and the lilies of the field and that we are of more value than these and that God will provide. But we need to know it in our hearts. And here's the real reason why we need to know it in our hearts, in our souls, that God will provide. Because all kinds of evil comes out of that mentality of scarcity. From that comes greed. From that comes theft. From that comes jealousy. From that comes hoarding. From that comes envy. And the list goes on and on and on. And all of these are things that come out of what? Us not believing that God will provide. That's their source. My brothers and sisters, we have the gospel today as a reminder to us that God will provide. He will provide what is needed. And He is a God of abundance. May we remember this and seek out that God of abundance that He may multiply and make us fruitful in our lives. Amen.